You're listening to the Empowering Lives Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Psychology at Help University, the University of Achievers. We'll be bringing you conversations with renowned psychologists and other health professionals that discuss a wide range of topics on mental health, psychology, and well-being. The Empowering Lives Podcast comes to you from the biggest psychology department in the whole of Malaysia. As we talk about the issues that matter to you most, stay tuned to this global podcast as we empower you to take away valuable insights and lessons that can improve your emotional health and well-being today. Hello and welcome to the Empowering Lives podcast wherever you're listening from. My name is Sandy Clark and today I'm joined by Sarah Jung who will be talking about the importance of mental health, what we misunderstand about counselling and psychotherapy and what we should look for to ensure that any support we do receive is legitimate and of good quality. Sarah is the head of Center for Counseling and Psychological Services here at Help University, and she's also a licensed counselor and supervisor here in Malaysia. Uh, welcome to the show, Sarah. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, Sandy. I'm doing good, much better, I think, with all the things that's been going on in our in our country. Yeah, it's certainly been a, an interesting few months, and I think over the past few weeks, especially, people have been get into grips with this whole situation and, and starting to make sense of it. But I think also a lot of people are still trying to cope with a lot of emotions and um, right. turning to mental health services for support. So can we just start off by discussing perhaps uh, your thoughts about why is seeing a counselor helpful uh, when people uh, seek out mental health services? What does it actually do for them? I think first and foremost, to in a way, understand why people would want to even talk to a stranger. Mm-hmm. It's just to understand the motive behind it. Um, uh, I think with the MCO that has been placed um, in the different phases, we've had the what would be considered almost a complete lockdown to the conditional MCO in place now. I think it has taught us that a lot of people require human contact for support. And I think it's also important to highlight that in, a, in moments like this, with, you know, with the pandemic and all, it is a crisis situation. A lot of people try to cope with the stresses of you know, being cooked up in the house, mm-hmm. uh, facing the possibility of you know, not having employment anymore or having financial difficulties. For some people, it is a legitimate health scare because they're in the at-risk groups. All of these things introduce a lot of stress into our lives it just makes us more anxious to realize that we're living in a time where our needs are, are going to be at risk. You know, my need for safety, it's going to be compromised. If I want to go out and, and I don't know, grab some groceries, um, me staying at home seven days a week, not stepping outside, except maybe the balcony for some sun Mm -hmm. is very, it's not the way we're meant to live. It's not the way we were engineered for And I think those kind of situations, it makes us more stressed. It makes us more anxious. And during these times, we want someone to talk to. And I I believe that it is this need that then makes us feel like maybe we should talk to someone like a counselor. Maybe we should reach out to mental health professionals or hotlines, not only to elevate the stress that we have, but really, I I just want to connect to another person. 
-hmm. at the same time. I think that, um, you know, those points you raised are quite uh, important in terms of, you know, why we might look to someone for help. And I think, uh, you know, that's especially heightened at the moment, but it certainly applies to any kind of time in general where we might find particular struggles with our mental health or situation or environment or, or the people around us. But I think a lot of the time as well, people... Uh, often point out that, that mental health is perhaps an off-putting term, especially maybe in this kind of culture where, you know, it is less expressive and there is an expectation of um, getting on with things and, and, and trying to do your best despite your struggles. But on the flip side to that, none of us thinks twice about physical health. So um, in Malaysia, people are excellent at referring people to doctors if they have the slightest um, twinge or cough, or if they have a, an injury of some sort, um, then they're very quick to suggest to go to a doctor. But when it comes to mental health, I think some people feel that it's something they quite, don't quite understand, or uh, there's something not quite right about it from their perspective. So what do you think that we need to understand in general about mental health to help us overcome the misguided stigma that can exist with it? I think that's an excellent point, um, especially comparing the responses we have towards the idea of physical health and then the idea and concept of mental health. Um, in fact, I, I sometimes hear the term mental well-being being used instead mm. of mental health as though it were somehow more palatable. To be honest, I find that thought very curious because at the end of the day, your health is your health. The idea that mental health is somehow physical, uh, separate from physical health is something that is uh, quite unusual for me because at the end of the day, when, okay, when somebody's str struggling from mental health concerns or issues, if you're very stressed, if you're potentially struggling with feelings of low mood or, you know, if you take it to an extreme, maybe you're uh, if you struggle with feelings of depression, if somebody feels frustrated or angry or anxious, it can manifest in physical symptoms. I mean, a lot of us talk about feeling, you know, heart palpitations. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times when people talk about mental health, I think they forget that how you feel physically is tied to your mental state. If you're not going to have a good day, your body is going to synchronize with that. You know, you, you know, if you if you wake up feeling like today is not a good day, mm -hmm. physically you're going to feel more lethargic. Physically, you feel like you're not a hundred percent, and that's actually one of the reasons why some people say, uh, for example, in terms of coping, some people suggest physical activity as a mental health coping, because there is acknowledgement that if you can do something physically, it might uplift you mentally, mm -hmm. and that. If that argument is to be believed, then it should be vice versa. So I'm, I'm, I find it interesting that, especially in Malaysia, there is this, there is this dichotomy of physical versus mental, when it really is one and the same because it is your health, your well-being, and your health is a combination of all the elements that make you a person. So not just biology and psychology, but also socially. Um, we're talking about health in terms of to, you know, helping your relationships as well, which is why from a day-to-day -day aspect, when some people are struggling with mental health issues, they might find it easier to compartmentalize mental health and say that this is different 
because these are perhaps not immediately life-threatening, but also because when we use the word mental health, it could be that clients might see it as these are the things that I'm supposed to be able to deal with. Mm -hmm. If I'm sick, I need medication. I need a quote-unquote expert to help me. But if I'm feeling down or if I'm not feeling quite right in terms of mood or I'm having some sort of difficulty in my social life, the expectation from society is that, well, then you should go and figure out how to fix it mm -hmm. because there is no quote-unquote expert for that. Well, now we know that there are experts on mental health. And if you're willing to go to see a doctor for your physical health, then it is possible to also seek expert or professional help for mental health issues and if you're struggling with social issues. Mm, and I think that uh, one of the, the obstacles that does hold people back from seeking help is this uh, misconception that to see a counsellor or mental health professional, you have to have something wrong with you, that to be in need of mental health support, that there, there's something not quite right, there's something abnormal going on. But I mean, I think anyone who has had any dealings with mental health professionals or counsellors, um, they'll know that there are so many reasons that you can go to a counsellor for. Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, um, I know some people who have gone to see counsellors for career advice, for example, where they don't have a, a problem as such as, as they might define it, but it's just that they have um, some thoughts they need to untangle about what kind of direction they need to head in or what kind of industry would be suitable according to their strengths. And they, and they don't quite know how to figure that out. So that's maybe one way a counsellor can help. Um, that's not related to a major clinical issue. Can you give some, uh, some more ideas from your own experience um, in terms of some of the reasons that people come to you, uh, whether that be for uh, you know, a quote-unquote problem with maybe stress or anxiety, but also other reasons they, they might come to see you um, that are not tied to, say, a, a major issue like that? It is very true. Uh, that a lot of people feel that it needs to reach a certain level of severity before they come and talk to someone. Mm. But in my experience, I find that a lot of my clients, they come for a variety of issues. Uh, very true that I have seen individuals who are struggling with uh, feelings of depression, anxiety, uh, difficulties just managing stress. But I also get a pretty much an equal distribution of people who are honestly not in that state. Uh, very often, some of my clients, when they come, um, they are they're waiting to hear a different perspective on a struggle or a challenge that they have. And they can be very non-clinical. So like you mentioned, it could be about career. It could be about certain decisions that they're trying to arrive to at life. Um, I have a lot of clients, actually, um, that come to talk to me, not because they have a mental health issue that requires resolution. Mm -hmm. It's very often that they want something more out of their life. And, and they're here because they feel that even though nothing is quote unquote wrong, they feel like they want to reach greater potential. They are finding ways to, to find more meaning, more meaning making in their everyday life, in the interaction that they have with people. Mm. And, now, different, different counselors and different therapists will have very different approach, so I can't speak for all of them. But when I work with my clients, I make it a point that 
I don't offer any solutions. It's, it's not my place. I don't know your life. You are an expert of your life. But what I can do is I can help you see things from different perspectives, which is what I do with a lot of my clients. Whenever they talk to me about some things, I help them view it from different lenses and, you know, angle it differently to help them see, well, if these are all the angles you are considering, how does that then affect the decision you would make, the way you would feel about the situation. And that's what a lot of my clients come for. They, they come because they, they want to hear a different perspective of what they're experiencing. And occasionally, some of them want to be educated. They mm-hmm. want to know, I'm actually quite curious how come I'm struggling with this thing when other people seem to be fine. And, you know, in our line of work, we say psychoeducation. So we give them information on, well, it's not specific to you, but we understand this about human nature. Does that apply to you? And with the renewed understanding, they feel more empowered to then tackle similar challenges later on. When you're talking there about people who come to you for uh, what sounds like uh, personal development or personal growth or or self-knowledge, self-awareness, uh, to mm-hmm. try and figure out where they are in, in terms of their sort of development, their place and, and say their career or whatever else that they might be struggling with at that point to make sense of. Um, in your years of experience as a counsellor, have you seen attitudes change with regard to mental health and what it does offer in terms of that wide range of support that is not just tied to uh, this quote-unquote um, major or clinical problem that you might have? Or are people beginning to see the benefits of going to a counsellor um, for, for different kinds of reasons? Are they starting to get that message, do you think? I think there's definitely a shift in attitudes. When I first decided to study psychology, I think the general um, climate of the industry is still very limited. I mean, I don't know whether you've experienced this or whether listeners out there, if you ever said you wanted to do psychology, I don't know if your parents ever said this. My parents' immediate reaction was, are you sure you want to work with crazy people? Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the, um, the myth or the stereotype, right? But now that it's 2020, I think we are now seeing um, a gradual shift, not sudden, but gradual shift to first and foremost, a greater acknowledgement that mental health services exist. And then from there, there has been a gradual increase of acceptance that, you know, you can actually go and see a mental professional. And in the last, what, four to five years, I think there has been a rising number of clients who come in, not necessarily for the traditional, I was a traditional, but they're not necessarily coming in for issues that we associate stereotypically with counseling Mm -hmm. of course those cases still come but we are getting more and more people who would who would uh register for services for example at cpcs and they would then say well it's not so much i have issues with this but i am struggling with other parts of my life and i don't really know how to cope with it or these are the people who already tried the coping um, and it's no longer effective, and I'm looking for new coping mechanisms, for example. Mm-hmm. So I believe there is a shift, and I believe with the improvements, I guess, that is ha- that has been happening with governmental policies, um, certain insurance policies are now trying to promote insurance for mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that we're going to see 
continued shift in the mindset. And when people uh, have this growing awareness of the services that are out there and available for mental health support, if any of our listeners feel that they would want to see a counsellor, for example, what kind of qualities should they be looking for when they're uh, searching for someone to go and see? And, and, and on the flip side to that, what do you think they should be cautious about in order to avoid services that perhaps aren't up to standard or officially recognized or registered? The easiest way, I guess, to fact checked in a way, any service provider is to see if they have been licensed or registered or qualified in any way. Mm -hmm. So in Malaysia, we have the Lembaga Council in Malaysia who oversees the registration and licensure of all counselors in Malaysia. Uh, and with this licensure, obviously they come with a license number and a practice, a biannual practice number. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really easy to check on because if you go to Lembaga Counselors, website uh, you can track all of us with this number and by by policy and by law we are actually required to display this number in our name cards or uh, if you work in a private center some of them will tell you to display the actual physical license mm -hmm. uh, which will contain the number so if any listeners out there you would like to seek out services you're not sure whether the center that you found on, say, Google, which is where most of us get our recommendations from nowadays, um, is actually legit or not. An easy way would be when you go on to their website. First and foremost, check the types of information that's in the website. You could go to see if they have uploaded profiles of their team members. So uh, a lot of private centers, they have a central team whose profile will be advertised on the website. And usually when they advertise that, there will be a number for counselors, there will be a number next to it, which you can then investigate on LKM's website to see if this person is actually registered. Even if you don't have our number, you could theoretically find out by name. Uh, so if, if you, for example, go to CPCS website and you look at my name, I would have put in my license number. If you search that up in LKM, you will get a hit on my license registration. Um, clinical psychologists in Malaysia also get their licensure from MSCP. I'm not as familiar with whether they have a full registration system, but I believe that they do. And you can see whether they are actually registered with MSCP or not. Uh, so these are some easy ways to check. I mean, check the qualification of the person who is in the center. Usually a big flag for a lot of people who is searching services is a few things is there absolutely no information at all about the team or you know the counselors and therapists within the center mm. um, is there perhaps no clear uh, direction in the website about what kind of services that they provide sometimes it's the other way around where they sub they provide a huge list of services and that is disproportionate to say um, their information about their teams because usually that, that might appear like overly bare mm -hmm. and yet there is a list of like, I don't know, 50 different services. If that is something that you're very curious about, um, another possible way is to just, if you know someone who's in the mental health industries, you can check in with them. One other thing that 
we do sometimes recommend, not recommend, but hear from some of our clients is that they get in touch with hotlines first, like befrienders, lifeline, you know, Dalian Noor, for example. Mm-hmm. And when they realize they want a face-to-face, they will then ask, they will ask the hotline for a referral. And normally the referrals from these hotlines are legitimate. So, so you mentioned some of these uh, things that people should be looking for and some of the red flags that, that, that should crop up. Um, can you just give a sense of, in terms of personal qualities for clinical psychologists or counsellors or other professionals, what kind of personal qualities uh, should people be looking for when they try to figure out whether someone's right for them when they go for that first session? It really depends on your level of comfort as a client. Mm. I think what's important for, for, for clients and for listeners out there who are wondering, you can always get a second opinion. So there's no rule in the universe that says, if I go to see this one counselor for the first time, I have to stick with this one counselor for the rest of my life. Um, very much like finding a doctor that works for you, finding a mental health professional that you feel comfortable with, you feel like you can build trust with is very important. Now, I don't know if there's such a thing as specific personal qualities. Mm-hmm. Although in our line of work, um, from a, I think from a practicing person's perspective, uh, very often we, we find it very important to be able to be genuine, to be authentic, uh, to be warm and empathic with mm-hmm. whoever that we're talking to. Because at the end of the day, when you see someone who, who's meant to be your mental professional, it's about building that relationship. It's not just, I come here and I say, look, I want a solution for my problem. Please give me a solution to my problem. Anybody could give you that in a way. But when you want to see a mental professional, we recognize that the most important thing for any mental health professional is a relationship with the client. So if anybody out there comes in and said, I'm seeking services, I don't even start services until I feel like we've established some trust or some rapport as we call it Mm -hmm. and i can't do that by being a different person i can only do that if i am a genuine person and even so there are some times where uh, the methods for example in which i work or simply because for some people they prefer working with somebody who has a different focus uh or there are there are some clients who come and sit you know, I, I appreciate what you've been doing for me, but I feel like I would get more services if I were to be referred to somebody with more uh, expertise in mm-hmm. what I'm struggling with. Or sometimes, um, now this is just stuff that I've heard. I don't know whether it's necessarily true, but sometimes if you end up in a situation where you're with a mental professional and you don't feel comfortable, it is all about your level of comfort. If you don't feel comfortable, please feel free to seek someone else. It is okay to say, I don't really feel like I can connect with this, um, this person and I would like to try and work with another mental health professional. That's actually okay. Mm-hmm. You know, because you hear sometimes people go to see a counselor or clinical psychologist or psychotherapist and they will go for maybe one or two sessions and it doesn't quite it doesn't feel quite right for them so in their head they make the conclusion that well therapy itself is not effective for them but i think as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned sometimes 
you just don't connect with the person that you're seeing. And it's not that they lack competency. It's not that they're inefficient or they don't know their stuff. It's just that you really need that personal connection uh, before the, the therapy can really take effect. And, and that's not the fault when that connection is not there. It's not the fault of you as a client. It's not the fault of the therapist. It's just the way things are. And like you say, you can check out another therapist or another mental health professional until you find that person mm. that you can resonate with, that you can feel that you can um, connect with and, and, and trust on a deep level. Uh, because it is, I think something else that people don't quite appreciate about themselves is that it takes an enormous amount of strength to, to really open up to someone, um, even if really it's a, it a stranger. Yeah. So I, I think that, that people need to give themselves that recognition that even to open up to someone, you, you do, you do need that sense of comfort, um, you know, to mm. go along with the courage that it takes to, to, to share your story with someone. So, so thanks for those, those insights, uh, Sarah, I think uh, they were quite helpful for people who might be uh, perhaps looking for some support. So just to wrap up the episode, do you have any final thoughts um, on how people can take good care of their mental health and well-being, whether that be things that they can do for themselves or just some final thoughts on how they can go about finding support if they do need to talk to someone? There are two things that normally I, I would I would recommend, I guess, to somebody who asked me that question. Mm -hmm. One is professional, like how to seek professional services. And the other one is maintaining self-care. Um, I think in, in this day and age, uh, particularly during this time period and moving forward, looking at how it impacts the world and the makings of society, learning to take care of yourself and employing self-care will become very important. Um, the hard part, I think, for a lot of people is defining self-care because a lot of people, they don't necessarily know what it means to mm -hmm. care for themselves. They think that it's, uh, you know, doing some hobby that they like. It's about doing an activity that will, that will distract them or fill up their time or give them some sort of sense of achievement or relaxation. And it can be all of these things. Um, but for the listeners out there who... Whether you are seeing someone or not, if you're at home with someone or by yourself and you just want to give yourself like some time out, I would say it's very, very important to take active pause because we are so accustomed to things moving in such a fast pace around us that one of the things that we noticed during the initial stages of MCO and why a lot of people are struggling was that they are forced to slow down. They, mm -hmm. they literally have nothing to do or they feel like things are going too slowly. And that's because we've been socialized to move at such a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very important to find time and find the right window to just take an active pause and be with yourself. Because during that time, it is, I mean, it is helpful to then get in touch with your feelings and your thoughts to sit down and be with yourself so that you can then tell yourself, am I having a good day? I'm, if I'm feeling good today, then great, you know, soak in that and, and allow yourself to feel good. But if you're having a tough time, giving yourself that time out is, is very, very helpful in recognizing that, look, I'm not having a good day today. So then you can ask, so what do I need to feel better? Do I need to talk to someone? Mm -hmm. Do I need to do something to distract myself? Do I, 
want to sit with these feelings. I mean, what do I do? So these are where your different coping strategies will come in. In the event you have those moments and you decide that you want to reach out for professional services or help services, then know that you can reach out to many different hotlines um, in Malaysia. I think the most well-known ones I've already mentioned are Befrienders Lifeline. A number of people have been using Talian Noor as well for different different concerns. And if you are unsure, you could always go online and search up the you know mental health services around your area if you feel more comfortable with you know the geographic zone that you're in. But there are also, uh, I believe, a few other places that have started offering telecon, uh, telepsychology or telecounseling services. Mm-hmm. Uh, CPCS very recently have begun uh, online services because we recognize that people will really, really need that. Um, Relate, for example, is a, an organization that has been quite involved in giving online and telecounseling services. So these are just some places you can go to and... If you search online, you will find these services. I think just for people listening, if you do want to check out a bit more uh, on the services that HELP offers, I think the, the website, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Sarah, is uh, cpcs-helpuni.com. Uh, so I think yep. there's lots of information on there in terms of the services being offered uh, and the, the therapist as well, which I think is an important point that you mentioned, um, You know, just to have information on whoever it is that's offering the, the therapy services. And I think it's especially uh, important to keep in mind the advice that you shared, this idea that we are sort of conditioned to strive and be productive and, and move at a particular pace and, and to keep growing and learning. And, and we can sometimes forget to slow down. And yet the people who can appreciate that, that time that they can have just to take even five minutes out on a regular basis, to sort of um, re-energize and, and, and recuperate, mm. uh, it can make quite a big difference. And, and I think the more that people do that, the more they realize the importance of doing that because it just helps them to stop struggling against themselves and to stop struggling yeah. against their, their situation. A, exactly. Yeah. So It's so about that, realigning of yourself. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because quite often you can feel derailed and, and, and feel pulled from one direction to the next. So that idea of, of coming back into alignment with yourself is the sort of perfect note to end on. So thanks for your time, Sarah. Uh, and, thank and you. Thank you for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of Empowering Lives. Be sure to check out our previous episodes from this series and series one, which are all available on Spotify and Anchor.fm. Till next time, be well, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Empowering Lives podcast, brought to you by the Department of Psychology at HELP University, Malaysia, the University of Achievers. For more information about HELP University, visit www.help.edu.my and learn about our world-class programs and mental health services. Thank you for listening. And remember, together we can empower each other to build rich and meaningful lives driven by purpose, vision, and values.